Thanks for all for being back tonight. It's great to be together. And before we get started, um, just a couple bits of news for you. I checked with uh, the preacher down in Georgia that uh, has been working with the correspondence course student that we uh, connected him with. Um, you recall that was two or three months ago that we connected him. He says they're still studying, still making progress, and he's hopefully uh, including his family in some of these discussions, so hopefully there's more opportunity beyond that. So there's progress being made there. I thought you'd be interested to know that as well. And then also, I don't know if David's told you or not, David's been working really hard on our Facebook uh, page and posting our lessons, and he tried something new this week and got a lot of response. In fact, we hopefully will have a Bible study with somebody this week from this area who disagreed with us on the instrumental music question, um, and hopefully we can get uh, together with him and have a productive study. So you might be praying for that as well. So lots of good things going on. Uh, and we have uh, a lot to be thankful for, uh, for these opportunities. Well, uh, we live in a time of geopolitical turmoil. We're on the tail end, hopefully, of a pandemic. There is economic uncertainty. And all of this is giving an interest in people knowing what is coming. People are looking increasingly for prophetic clues as to what the future holds, why the events of the day are happening, and what is coming down the line. Uh, this has always been an attraction uh, by people, but I think it is increasing and strengthening. I was talking with a gentleman recently who told me that he used to not believe there were any prophets around, but from what he's seen on the internet, what he's hearing, uh, and what he's experiencing with these people on the internet, he now believes that there are prophets today, and he believes that they're telling the truth about what's coming. And he takes a lot of stock in what they're saying and, uh, and things that he thinks we need to be preparing for based upon what these prophets are telling. I've talked with others who uh, seem to be drawn to these uh, prophets, um, some who admitted that they would previously... Uh, deny the existence of prophets, but now, based upon what they're seeing on the internet, they're convinced that there are. And I want to tell you that Christians need to be concerned about modern-day prophets. If they exist, they have a message from God, and we need to be hearing it. If prophets are in the world today, we need to be tuned into what they're saying because they have a message from God. We need to be listening to it. On the other hand, if they don't exist then what's being posed and presented as prophecy today is actually false prophecy. And false prophecy poses a significant danger to our faith. And so if they exist, we need to be listening to them. If, we, if they don't exist, then we need to be aware that these are false prophecies and they can shipwreck our faith. In 2 Peter chapter 2, again, the passage that, that Ben read for us, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, notice that false prophets were an incredible danger to people in the Old Testament. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. There were false prophets in the Old Testament. And the New Testament tells us there will be false prophets today. And false prophets are an incredible 
challenge to our faith and they can cause great harm. And so tonight, we need to ask the question, are there prophets today? Because if there are, we need to be listening to them. And if they're not, then we need to be aware and we need to be shunning uh, what they're saying. Are there prophets today? Well, I want to answer that question by stating some principles up front. If there are true prophets, I hope you can read that. It's a little bit small, but I was trying to fit it on the chart because I had a big question mark there. It took up a lot of real estate. If there are prophets today, if there are true prophets today, everything they say would have to agree with the Bible. If there are prophets today that are bringing messages from God, the first thing we know about their message is it has to agree with what the Bible says. If it contradicts anything that the Bible says, if it doesn't align perfectly with what the Bible says, we can throw that out immediately and say that's not a true prophet. Because God has revealed His Word to us, and He says that anything that contradicts that should be accursed. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, we're told that we need to try the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There were false prophets in the first century. I believe there are false prophets today. And John says you've got to try these things. You've got to test them. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you've got to compare it with what the Bible says. You've got to compare it with something that's known. How would I test a spirit without a standard? The standard has to be God's Word. In other words, the spirit, the prophet, would have to align with everything I read in the, in the Bible. And if it doesn't, I need to throw it out. In other words, God is saying very clearly here, don't believe everyone who says they have a message from me. You've got to test them. You've got to try them. Here's one test. It goes on in 1 John chapter 4. Verses 2 and 3. By this you shall know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. There's one test. John says, here's how you're going to test. You're going to compare it with what we've been revealed, what we've seen, that Jesus came in the flesh. If they're not admitting that, then they're a false prophet. But that's not the only standard. In general, the prophet is, uh, is not true if he contradicts anything that the Bible says. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But if, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. God has presented to us truth. This is truth. If I receive a message from someone who claims to be a prophet that says something different than this, one of the, true can't, one of the two can't be true, right? Either the prophet is true and this is false, or the prophet is false and this is true. And we know from what the scriptures teach, this is truth. And every message that someone would bring, if they are a true prophet, would have to align with what the Bible says. If there are true prophets today, everything that they say has to agree with the Bible. I'll tell you something else that we can tell about a prophet. If there are true prophets in the world today, everything they say must come to pass. One test of a prophet is that his or her prophecy has to come true. 
If a prophet makes a prediction, if he prophesies and it doesn't come true, by definition, he's a false prophet. The prophecy has to come true if the prophet is true. And there are no do-overs. There are no second chances. If someone comes to you and says, I'm a prophet, here's what God said, here's what's going to come to pass, and it doesn't come to pass, he's not a true prophet. And it's an all or nothing thing. He can't be right on one thing. Well, he got one thing right, but he got one thing wrong. I don't know. Is he true or not? No, he's a false prophet. All of his prophecies have to come true if he's a true prophet. That was the standard that was given in Deuteronomy chapter 18. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, look at verse 20 beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 18. There were going to be some prophets who were going to come along and maybe want to get in on some of the action back in the Old Testament. You know, these prophets, they got a pretty good thing going on. Maybe I can make up one of my own. And here's what Moses says. But the, or God says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is a thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. People said, how are we going to know? How are we going to know if this prophet's really from God? Well, here's the test. If what he prophesies comes true, then you can believe him. But if it doesn't come true, it is not from the Lord. All right, so we have the test. If, everything, if, it, what they, are, if they are from God, everything they say must come to pass. I'll tell you, if someone's on the Internet, if someone is making videos and posting them on social media, and he makes a series of prophecies, and any one of them doesn't come true, if any prophecy that is made does not come true, he or she is a false prophet, period. That's what the Bible says. Everything they say has to come to pass if they are a true prophet. I would say, also, as we look at some things that are true, if there are true prophets today, then they couldn't misunderstand the message they're getting from God and then revise the prophecy. You know, I'm hearing that with some of the people that I'm talking with about prophecies today. They, they, they're, they're, they're listening to people on the Internet, and they're saying these things, and they're saying, this is going to happen, and here's when it's going to happen. And that day comes and goes, and it doesn't happen. And you ask the question, well, wait, I thought that the prophet said it was going to happen then. Well, the message that he's getting is sort of fuzzy. There are some things that we're not clear about. That we, that we didn't really understand exactly what the message was. and so what we, here's, the, here's the new date. Here's when it's going to happen. A true prophet can't misunderstand the message and have to reissue their prophecy. We're also hearing people say, well, you know, this is the theme. This is the theme of what's going to happen, but things are worse than we thought, or things didn't line up like we thought, and so it can't happen now, it's got to happen later. No, there are no do-overs. You can't misunderstand the message and revise your prophecy. I know this because I know prophets in the Old Testament didn't understand the message, the prophecy that they were giving. Their prophecy was still true. But they didn't have to understand it. They didn't understand it because they were given the message from God 
and they presented the message that God wanted them to pre present. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Talking about prophecy of the Old Testament and the salvation that we would enjoy today, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The folks that were prophesying in the Old Testament about all the wonderful things that we would enjoy in Christ's dispensation in the New Testament era, they didn't understand the message that they were presenting. And yet their prophecies were true. They didn't make mistakes because they didn't understand the message. Messages from God don't have to be understood by the prophet. And prophets didn't come back later and revise the prophecy just because they couldn't understand what they were prophesying. Furthermore, if there are true prophets in the world today, they would have to have the marks of true prophecy. If there are true prophets in the world today, their prophecies would have to have the marks of prophecy, of true prophecy. Here are some of those marks of true prophecy. A true prophecy needs to be specific. It can't be general. It can't just be some vague idea that could have multiple fulfillments. You just have to sort of twist the facts and sort of shoehorn them into what this, guy, this prophet was really saying, some type of mystical message. Uh, was it Nost Nostradamus? Back in, they, they used to be out in the Reader's Digest or in the tabloids. It would come out. They would pull out some kind of obscure phrase that he said hundreds of years ago and say, look, it's fulfilled today. He, was, he had, somehow was a prophet. A prophecy in the Bible that we read about is specific. Look at Mac Micah chapter 5, verse 2. For some of the specifics of prophecy. In Matthew, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah's prophesying about the location of the birth of the Messiah. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the, this, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Jesus was going to be born, not in some vague town, not in some vague region, but in a specific town, Bethlehem, Jesus was born. Prophecy in Bible terms is specific. Look also at Isaiah chapter 44. In Isaiah chapter 44, we have an account of, of the captives being, being issued uh, uh, the freedom to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And notice the specificity of this uh, prophecy. It even names the king who would be giving the decree to go back to Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 44, beginning of verse 24. Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited, to the cities of Judah, you shall be built. And I will raise up her waste places, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers, who says of Cyrus, 
He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. The message coming to Isaiah was that you're going to go back to Israel, and you're going to rebuild Jerusalem, and you're going to rebuild the temple, and this guy named Cyrus is going to be the one who facilitates that. Well, 145 years later, 145 years later in Ezra chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, we read the fulfillment of this prophecy, this specific prophecy. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth of the Lord of God of heaven has given to me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. A hundred, he is God, which is in Jerusalem. A hundred and forty-five years later, this specific prophecy was fulfilled. And so prophecies, if there are legitimate prophecies, are specific. They're not just some kind of vague statement that you have to sort of twist and turn to apply to what's happening. No, they were specific. And I'll tell you another sign of a true prophecy, a mark of a true prophecy is that it needs to be something that isn't a reasonable guess. You know, a lot of the prophets that are in the world today that are claiming to be true prophets are making prophecies about things that are pretty obvious that are likely to happen. I'm not a prophet if I tell you, I think that, you know, I got this message from God and sometime this week Russia's going to bomb a city in Ukraine. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out, do you? It's pretty obvious. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you there's going to be a natural disaster sometime in the month of May and it's going to level a lot of homes. There's going to be a lot of homes that are blown off the foundation. I'm seeing this message. There's going to be, there are going to be people who die. They're going to be, they're going to, their, their homes are going to be blown off the foundation. It's some kind of natural catastrophe. And then this week a tornado goes through and wipes out a subdivision. You don't have to be a prophet to know that. A prophet, a true prophecy, has to be something that isn't a reasonable guess. Furthermore, true prophecy has to be made before the event occurs. I can't come back after something happens and say, see, I told you that was going to happen. I have to make the prophecy in advance of the event occurring. Those are some marks of true prophecy. So if there are true prophets in the world today, everything they say would have to agree with the Bible. Everything they say would have to come to pass. They couldn't misunderstand the message and then revise the prophecy. In other words, get a do-over. They couldn't do that. And they'd have to have the marks of true prophecy. Those are some fundamentals that we can see from the scriptures. Fundamentals that would have to be in place if there are true prophets today. I want to tell you the answer to the question, are there true prophets in the world today, is no. And it's no for several reasons. Number one, there aren't true prophets in the world today because the Old Testament said there would come a day when prophecy would end. In Zechariah chapter 13, in Zechariah chapter 13, this is in the uh, discussion about the coming of the Messiah. Zechariah chapter 13, beginning of verse 1. 
says that there's going to come a day when there would be no more prophecy. In Zechariah chapter 13, beginning of verse 1, In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. There's going to come a day when this fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. That's obviously talking about the coming of the Messiah and the sacrifice that he was going to make on the cross for sin. This fountain of salvation has been opened. And in that day, the Lord is going to cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. The unclean spirit would be gone. The prophets would disappear. And notice verse 3. It shall come to pass that if anyone still prophesies in his father and mother who begot him will say to him, you shall not live because you have spoken lies in the name of the Lord and his father and his mother who begot him shall thrust him through when he prophesies. There's going to come a time. When God says there's not going to be any more true prophets. Now, there'll be false prophets. And if there are people who are still prophesying, you know they're false prophets. And they need to be punished. The Old Testament was clear that when Christ came, that would usher in the end of prophecy and of unclean spirits. And the New Testament echoes this sentiment as well. Because the New Testament says that we're going to come a time when the prophecies would cease. Look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you can't read that on the screen, which you probably can't. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a very important passage in this discussion about whether there are still true prophets in the world today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In Corinth, they were fighting about miraculous spiritual gifts. They all wanted to be the best prophesier or healer or whatever you have they wanted to be the best. They were fighting and arguing about that. And Paul said, you need to cut it out. Because there are more important things than miraculous spiritual gifts. There are more important things, for one, because these special gifts were going to be done away. They were going to come to an end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning of verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I have become a sounding brass, or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. 
And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Paul says these things are going to go away. And notice the things he says that are going to go away. Prophecies, they're going to fail. Tongues are going to cease. Knowledge, I believe that's spiritual or supernatural knowledge, is going to vanish away. They were prophesying, he said, in part, but when that which is perfect is to come, that which is in part will be done away. There was going to come a time when these things that they were doing in part were going to be done away with when the perfect had come. What is the perfect? Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 13. We're coming back. But in James chapter 1, in James chapter 1, we see some imagery and some wording very much similar to what we saw in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. The perfect allows me to know as I am known, to see myself as God sees me. What is that? James chapter 1, verse 22 but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The perfect law of liberty is like a mirror that allows me to see as I'm seen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that when the perfect or complete comes, I will know as I am, am known. I'll see myself as God sees me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is talking about the coming of the Scriptures, the full and complete revelation of God's Word. When this came, there was no longer a need for prophecy. There was no longer a need for speaking in tongues. There was no longer a need for miracles because the Bible is now here. I can know as I am known. There are some who would say, no, 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 you got it all wrong. What 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is talking about is when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, when that which is perfect comes, then that which is in part will be done away. See, when Jesus comes, we're not going to have prophecy anymore. When Jesus comes, we're not going to have you speaking in tongues. no. That's not what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is talking about because the language doesn't work. The language talks about that which is perfect. Not he who is perfect, but that which is perfect. The language of 1 Corinthians is talking about the Bible, not talking about Jesus. But another reason we know it's not Jesus is because the last verse of the, of the chapter, verse 13, tells us about things that are going to remain after that which is perfect has come. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. When the perfect comes, we're going to still have faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest, but we'll still have faith and hope. Well, when Jesus comes, we're not going to have faith anymore. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When Jesus comes, am I going to have faith anymore? It's going to be done away, isn't it? I'm going to see Jesus. We'll have to have faith. I'll, I'll see Him. That faith will be realized. And I won't have hope anymore. Romans chapter 14, verse 24 says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope 
for what he sees. When Jesus comes, I'll not have hope anymore. Again, I will have realized that hope that I've lived throughout my life because now he's here. I won't have to have faith or hope anymore after Jesus comes. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. These things are going to abide once that thing which is perfect comes. That's the Bible. And the greatest of these is love because faith is going to go away. Hope is going to go away. But we'll still have love. The greatest of these is love. There are not prophets anymore or true miracles anymore because the New Testament said that prophecy will cease. There's other reasons, though, I believe there are no true prophets in the world today. And another one of those reasons is we don't need prophecy anymore. We have all we need. The Bible's clear on that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by glory and virtue. This is all that I need. I don't need any more revelation from God. I don't need any more messages from God. This has all that I need. That's what God said about it. He said it was perfect. It was complete. And He says it has all things that I need in order to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Furthermore, we're forbidden from adding anything to what we've revealed, we've been, been taught. Not only can what a, what a prophet bring, it can't contradict the scriptures, it can't add to the scriptures either. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. The New Testament has all that we need. We don't need any more. We don't need prophecy today. Now, when we say this, when we make the claim that there are no, do, true, there are no true prophets today because the Old Testament foretold their end, the New Testament foretold their end, and now that we have the Bible, we don't need them anymore, there are going to be some objections that folks raise to our claims. For instance, someone might say, well, wouldn't it be nice if we knew what was going to happen in the future? Wouldn't you like to know if there's going to be some great war, some great natural disaster, some great catastrophe that maybe impacts our food supply or impacts uh, some other great event in, in, in our lives and, and it has great impact on us? Wouldn't it be nice to know? You know, there's a lot of desire to know what's going to happen. But the question is, do we believe the Bible or don't we? The Bible said we have all we need. And you know what? If we have all we need, I don't need to know specifics about what's going to happen because God's told me how He'll provide for me. And He's told me how I need to respond regardless of what happens in this world. I have everything I need to be pleasing to God. Now, maybe there is some great catastrophe. Maybe there is some great calamity that befalls the United States or the globe. God's told me how I can respond. And he's told me that he'll be with me. I can be faithful to God. I don't need any kind of prophecy. Well, someone might say, well, you say there's no true prophets today. But I want to tell you, the guy that I'm listening to, he's been right a lot. He's been right in the past. 
Some of the things he said were going to happen came to pass. Well, maybe he has been right. But you know what? He could have just gotten lucky. You remember the signs of true prophecy again. The prophecy can't be vague where you could twist its interpretation to make it fit after the fact. It can't be something that's obvious or sort of, you know, common sense. And it has to be in advance of the event. Maybe he has been right. But he could have just gotten lucky. Someone else might say, you know what, and I've heard this as well. I know this guy is a true prophet because he's not in it for the money. The gentleman I spoke to recently, he said that. He said, you know, I used to not believe in prophets, but this guy's real because he's not doing it for money. He doesn't ask for money. He's not in it. He's not trying to get rich off this. He really has a message from God. He's legitimate because he's not in it for the money. Well, let me ask you, where do we see in the Bible that this is a test? You're a true prophet if you don't ask for money. It's not what, it doesn't say, say that anywhere in the Bible. But furthermore, the Bible tells us that there are other motivations besides money why someone might be a false prophet. And the first is probably the most obvious. You could just be a liar. The Bible says there are a lot of people that are going to be lying for whatever reason and telling false prophecies. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 13. In Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 13, notice this. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, Sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. God says, just plainly, they're liars. There are liars. There are people who tell lies for whatever reason. And maybe they're not in it for the money, but maybe they just like to propagate lies. That's a possibility. In Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 2. Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 2, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. There are people who just like to spread false rumor and false lies, and there are false prophets who are doing the same. They could just be liars. But I'll tell you something else. Even though they're not in it for the money, I'll tell you something they could be in it for, and that's for the popularity. You know, a lot of these folks are out there on YouTube or on social media, and people do all kinds of things just to get the like button, just to get people to subscribe and to watch their videos. There's something about popularity that drives people to do things. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 says this, An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. There were false prophets in that day, and they were very popular. False prophecy can make you very popular. It did in the Old Testament. And I will tell you, it's doing that today as well. There are people, I believe, in the world today who are doing what they're doing for popularity reasons. 
In the Old Testament, it would make you popular if you told false prophecy. It's not changed in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will according to their own desires, uh, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It's no tr- different today than it was in the Old Testament. People like to hear things that go along with what they would like, they want, and their desires. And if someone will tell it to me the way that I want to hear it, then I'll like them, and I'll want them to come and talk to me more. It will gain popularity. So the person who's not in it for the money might just be a liar. He might just like spreading these false things. He or she might be in it for the popularity. So they get the thumbs up on their video. So they get lots of people watching them. Tell you something else, and this is a real danger. That person could just be trying to lead you away from God. False prophets did that in Bible times as well. In Jeremiah chapter 23, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 25, I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed a dream. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor, as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. These false prophets were telling lies, and they were trying to get people to forget Jehovah God. There are people today who are prophesying prophecies, and they're trying to lead people away from God with those prophecies. Joseph Smith is a prime example in recent history. I'll tell you the same is happening today. False prophets will lead you away from God, and they are actively trying to do that, many of them. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 14. Also, I've seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They also strengthen the hands of evildoers, so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me, and their inhabitants are like Gomorrah. False prophets led people away in the Old Testament. And false prophets are doing the same today. Let me tell you, if a man or woman is claiming to be from God, but isn't teaching the truth of the gospel on any subject, you need to be wary of that person because they will lead you away from God just as they did in old times. Finally, someone might say, well, you're saying there aren't prophets today, but I read about prophets in the New Testament first century church. Weren't there prophets in the first century? Well, yes, they were. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 tells us about that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. There were, beyond a shadow of a doubt, prophets in the first century church. But remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 said there would come a time when those prophecies would end, when there wouldn't be prophets anymore. Something else I see about what was in the church in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, there were apostles there too. There aren't apostles anymore either. Those times have ended. And so, it would be nice, some would say, we don't need prophecies. The guy might have been right in the past, but perhaps he just got lucky. The guy isn't in it for the money, but he might just be a guy who likes to spread lies, who might be trying to get popularity. He might be trying to lead you astray. 
And there were prophets in the first century, but those prophets are no longer. I hope the things we talked about tonight, about prophecy, and are there modern prophets in the world today, I hope those things have been helpful to you. There aren't modern prophets in the, in, the Bible, in the world anymore today. The Bible is clear on that. And we're not going to have someone who's going to give us specific details about everything that's going to happen. But as we said, we have everything we need to know to prepare. And there is a prophecy about something that's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know that it is going to happen. Christ is going to return. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to be living every day in preparation for that event, serving God, loving others, and serving them like we should. The question for us all to consider tonight is, how are we living? Are we prepared for that event? If you're not, and there's anything we can do to help you spiritually, let us know while we stand and while we sing.